Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. Daniel 6, 3 through 12, 16 through 27 about Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are, we are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so, so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God has sent sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on, on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. This is the word of the Lord. We are wrapping up our time in the book of Daniel, looking at these momentous uh, examples of faith. 
and what it means to live out a courageous faith. And sometimes we think of a courageous faith and we come up with these ideas of like these superheroes in the Bible that can endure moments in the lion's den. And this is culminating to this moment, right? All these little sections and talks that we've had with each chapter, we're seeing facets of what courage really looks like, and it builds to this moment in the lion's den, Daniel's infamous story, uh, passed down through Sunday school after Sunday school after Sunday school. And at this moment, I think what you see is a culmination of the last five chapters and all the lessons learned over his life. Daniel shows up in exile and captivity, probably in his 20s, and at this point, we're finding him in his 70s or 80s. And the years and years of, uh, of learning and growth and maturation, not just as a man, but as a man of God and in his faith, and all these lessons that he's learned along the way prepared for this moment. And it reminds me of another Daniel, Daniel's son. It reminds me of the Karate Kid. Come on, yes, uh, Daniel's son had to learn all of these lessons of waxing cars and painting fences and standing on sticks in the middle of the ocean, right? Like, what is the, what is the point of standing on a stump, right? But it was all about balance, Daniel son. It was about wax on, wax off. It was about learning all of these lessons so that he could do that, not just on a stump in the middle of the beach, but when he was thrown into his own lion's den, standing there against the Cobra Kai. Right? He could, he could withstand it. And all of those lessons learned culminated to this moment for him under Mr. Miyagi's tutelage. And I think when we look at Daniel in the Old Testament, we'll switch back to the other Daniel, you see all of these lessons that we've been learning are exemplified in this very chapter that Todd just read. Think about it. We've talked about having courageous convictions, that having a baseline of truth guiding our lives. Well, you look at chapter 6, verse 4, it says that Daniel... Again, this is, it is 70s or 80s. It says, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn because he was living with such purity and integrity and obedience. The way he was living his life was under God's direction because he had these holy convictions, these courageous convictions that were uh, the guide for him, right? And then we talked in week two, we talked about courageous dependency, being reliant upon God more than we are relying upon ourselves. And look in chapter six, verse 10 and 11. It says, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and blasted it on Facebook and complained about it. <laughs> nope, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem and he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God he found, and then they found him praying and asking God for help. He has this courageous dependency that didn't just spring up in this one moment. This was a habit. This was a rhythm. This was a part of his life was giving thanks to God and asking God for help and not relying on, well, I could figure this out because there was a time when I had to, no, he is just living in this dependency and saying, God, how do I handle this? God, thank you for getting me to this point, and, and where do we go from here? We've talked about courageous companions. That was week three, when we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Well, they weren't alone in the furnace, and in this moment, we see that Daniel was not alone in the lion's den. He has a courageous companion with him because being courageous is a lot easier when you've got people with you, isn't it? Yes, 
It is hard to stand strong alone. It's a lot easier when you've got people supporting you. In verse 22 of chapter 6, this is Daniel describing his experience in the den. It says, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths. Daniel isn't alone in that dark pit. Week four, we talked about courageous humility and exhibiting this humility through tough moments and tough seasons and taking on the very characteristics of God and the way that we respond and talk and, and treat people that he wasn't just saying truthful things on behalf of God, but he was embodying the character of God. And that happens again in chapter 6 at this moment, right? It's all preparing him for this moment. In chapter 6, verse 4, he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. They're speaking to his character. They're speaking to the way he lived, not just in action, but the, the attitude of his heart, the attitude of his, his speech and the way he would live his life. Right? His characteristics matched the character of his God. And his demeanor was humble. And last week we talked about having a courageous response. That there are times where we need to speak up. There are times where we need to not take the credit because we aren't where we are at because of our own merit. We are where we are at because of what God has done in our lives. And there are times where we need to speak up and point people to the very God that we follow. And he gets rescued out of this lion's den. Just like many other moments where Daniel speaks boldly on behalf of God and he's, he's taken up out of this lion's den and this is his response. He says, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they wouldn't hurt me for I've been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. God sent an angel. God did this. God protected me. God showed me innocent. God showed that my humility wasn't fake and a facade of some Christian uh, mask that I was wearing. No, he's showing the very God that I worship showed up and was faithful in this. And when he comes out, he's going to respond in that way. And so as we're recapping the series with these five weeks, if you missed any, go back and listen or watch. But the idea here is that each of these components of courage build into this final moment where Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. Very familiar story. And we see this theme of courage in, in, and lived out in this final variable or aspect of courage, which is a courageous trust. Daniel lives out this courageous trust, meaning he's able to trust in a trustworthy God. Along his many years of following God, he doesn't just put his trust in something. He puts his trust in something dependable, something that he can trust. He has trust in a trustworthy God, a God that will do what he says, a God that will show up a God that is present, a God that is faithful, a God that fulfills his promises, a God that is eternal, a God that is powerful. He trusts in a trustworthy God. And I think as we look at Daniel's story, we can have the various aspects of courage that we've talked about, but also we can have a courage to put our trust in a trustworthy God today. And so chapter six shows us this idea of trust and to help us illustrate this idea of trust, what is Daniel include, he includes the king. This is another king that is over his leadership. This is, uh, this is King Darius. And King Darius is not so trusting in a trustworthy God. The king shows a lack of trust, and we see this sprinkled in throughout the chapter, right? And you kind of compare Daniel's trust with the king's trust or lack of trust, right? Verse 14. Verse 14, it says, Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the, the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of his predicament. The king liked Daniel. 
Daniel was not a, a rock in his shoe. Daniel was a guy that he wanted to preserve. He cared for him, and he kind of got thrown and manipulated into the situation where King uh, Darius is signing this law based on the advice of his advisors, but he's being manipulated. He's not a very strong leader. Uh, and, and Daniel gets kind of in the crosshairs of this, but the king is reluctant, and he's agonizing over this, this problem and this predicament, trying to figure out a solution, trying to figure out a way out. He doesn't show a, a, a trust in a God. He's, he's trying to figure it out himself. He's putting a trust in himself. Verse 16, we see the king again. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And he said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. It's kind of his last plea, right? Like, I hope this works for you, Daniel. I hope your God shows up, right? Can't you just picture the king like, I tried everything, man. I tried finding the little loopholes. I tried figuring out all the ways around this. Wait, I can't figure this out for you. So peace be with you, man. I hope it works out for you. I hope the God that you love and trust and follow works out for you, maybe? Kind of puts a question mark on the end. Will God show up? And then he goes into the lion's den, and this is the king during the night. We thought Daniel had a rough night. Look at this guy's night. King got up and hurried out to the lion's den. He had gotten there, and he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you? He is tossed and turned all night. He would normally indulge and engage in, in entertainment and food and, and escapism and all of those things, and it just wasn't for him that night. He was just tossing and turning and fasting, it says, and he struggled because he cared about Daniel. But it's not working. It's just like, ah, oh, I just don't know what to do, and I'm restless and anxious, right? You know that feeling, right? You get anxious about things. We toss and we turn and we try to figure it out and try to create solutions. We try to look for loopholes. We try to figure out how we're going to do this. My daughter's... Uh, soccer team played in the championship yesterday, and I'll tell you what, I'm the coach of that team, and I was tossing and turning all week trying to figure out how we were going to win. And it's ridiculous. I tossed and turned about a soccer game. This guy's tossing and turning about his, his, uh, one, of his, one of his friends. And you see the, the anxiety in it. He, he rushes at, at the break of dawn and calls out, Daniel, are you still alive? Like, imagine, they move the stone, and he's like, Daniel! <laughs> are you there? Did your God show up? He's worried. And I, I, I think as I read this chapter, uh, I can be an anxious person. I'm sure many of us can relate to being an anxious person like the king. And, and we want to be Daniel, but we're very much the king in the way that we handle issues and problems and, and tough times and dark moments. And the question I would have for us to ponder just for a moment is, what does our anxiety reveal about our current level of trust in God? What does our anxiety reveal about our current level or ability to trust in God? Maybe you're anxious about your health or your safety or self-preservation, your financial security, your future stability, you're, carried, you're, you're anxious about your loved ones. Think about the things that make you anxious right now, right? 11-year-old soccer games make me anxious. But there's other things that make me anxious. I've been anxious at times about, like, I hope nothing ever happened to me. What would, what would happen to my kids? Or anytime April gets sick, I, like, internally panic. Like, I hope this is just the flu because I don't know what we would do. 
And, and the things that make us anxious, I don't know what we're going to do about our finance. I don't know what we're going to do about our future. I don't know what we're going to do about our health. I don't know what we're going to do about our kids. I worry about my kids and their, their health and their future and their education and their salvation and faith in Jesus. And I worry about these things, right? And think for a moment, just stop and hit the pause button for a second and think about all the anxiety that we carry with us. What does that reveal about our ability to trust in God? Because if I'm anxiously carrying all of that, I'm thinking I'm the solution, or I know the solution, or I can figure out the solution. And I'm not really learning to trust in a God that has proven himself trustworthy over generations. I'm not letting go and really learning to really trust him with my entire life and allow him to be the God of my life. And so we contrast the king with Daniel. And we read in chapter six, these contrasting elements of you know, an anxious king and a trustworthy, courageous Daniel. And we see Daniel exhibit this courageous trust, and it's a trust that happens in the dark, right? Chapter six, verse 23, this is the king's response when he sees Daniel lifted out. And this is what what kind of pointed out to me that this element of courage is linked to trust. It says, the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. For he had trusted in his God. Hebrews eleven thirty three is also on the screen. You fast forward many generation, and the New Testament author writes, by faith these people shut the mouths of lions. Not by lion treats, not by muzzles, not by force, but by trust, by faith. That reassurance, that belief, that strength and confidence that we can find as we put our complete, true uh, self in the hands of our God. That is what shut the lion's mouth. That is what we talk about when we talk about trusting that he can miraculously show up in these moments. It is not by saying the right thing, praying the right prayer, going to church enough. You know, all those things that we think we, oh, if I just pray the right prayer, or I think the right things, or if I do the right things, if I abracadabra, ziggity zam, boom, bada boom, there it is, right? And we think that's gonna be, nope. Not by that. It's not by force. That's not the courage we're talking about. You're not forcing the solution. You're not conjuring the solution. We are trusting in the Almighty, one true God who is all powerful, all knowing, all present. He's got this in His hands. And Daniel shows that this trust is not just when life is easy or when it's on a nice Sunday morning, but it's a trust that happens in the dark because this. Trust moment happens in a lion's den. And I, I, I think about the lion's den and how many of you pictured these sorts of pictures. This is what comes to mind when we think of the lion's den. Like Daniel just laying there, just, you know, petting the lion. Oh, sweet Simba, right? Just pet your mane. One of them's kind of smiling and taking a nap. The other one's kind of side-eyeing him. Like, I don't know about this guy, right? We picture this light. It's happy, it's joyous, it's pleasant, they're smiling. I don't know if Daniel smiled during this moment. He was being dropped down into this dark pit. These lion's dens were not just caves. These were often um, abandoned wells or cisterns that they would have created 
uh, with bricks and things like that, these big cavernous areas that they would fill with water and, and use as old wells. Well, those things would get drained and emptied. And, and so uh, at that time and in that location, lions were not a form of torture. They were a form of sport. And so they would store them in these places. And I put a picture of a lion just to like bring some fear into us, right? This is what I picture now as I Googled lions again, and I went from nice, fluffy, happy Simba to like, ah, freaky, right? Scary thing. And I want you to picture the darkness as you are being dropped into that cistern. There are no lanterns. There is no light. There is nothing. He is being lowered down into this pit of lions. And just for a moment, if it helps you, just to close your eyes, nothing's going to happen, but just close your eyes to picture that for a second. Make it dark with your eyes shut. And just to picture the sounds, the snarls, the breathing of the lion, the footsteps of the lions, hearing their claws on the bricks of the cistern. I mean, just the reality of that moment. There is such darkness. There is such fear. There is such unknown in that. And we sometimes miss that because it's a, such a familiar story. We're just like, oh yeah, Daniel goes in and he comes out. We know the outcome. Daniel didn't know. And his trust in the Lord, his belief, his full-on, I am just resting in the presence of God in this moment. And it is that trust that shuts their mouths for the night. And we know, and some people will say, oh, well, they were well-fed and they were taken care of. They were medicated. They were, you know, they'll try to come up with some excuse, right? Oh, this is why the lions didn't eat Daniel. Well, we know they're hungry because in the story, it gives us a little gory moment, right? Because after Daniel comes up, what do they do? <laughs> the king's like, hey, Daniel's right. You all are liars. And so what does he do? He throws them and their families in, and they don't even hit the ground. The lions just <laughs> snarl, go. So we know that the lions were hungry, proving this miraculous moment of trust in the dark. And I think about Daniel, and I think about the parallels in Daniel's story here with the story of Jesus. And there's a lot of parallels, and I don't think it's a stretch that you look at the life of Daniel or this moment with Daniel, and you see Jesus in his darkest moment as he's going to the cross, right? Betrayed by leaders. Daniel is betrayed by his other advisors who find a loophole to, to sign a law or get the king to sign a law. Well, Jesus is betrayed by the religious leaders and by his, one of his friends, Judas. You find both Daniel and Jesus praying before this dark moment. Daniel's in his room. He's out there praying. Jesus goes to the garden, and he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see weak, people-pleasing rulers in charge at this time. You have King Darius, who is just, he's like, I want to do what's right, but I can't do what's right, right? And then with, with Jesus, who do you have? You have Pilate. Pilate wants to do what's right, but he really doesn't want a, a revolution or, or a rebellion, so he just pleases the crowds and appeases the crowds. Both of them are put in situations where they have to face death, one by lions, one by crucifixion. And then both have a stone rolled away that reveals the deliverance and the life and the plans of God. Jesus expresses his trust his courageous trust in his darkest moment when he's on the cross. You think about Daniel in the, in the den exhibiting a courageous trust in the dark and Jesus hanging on the cross 
And he cries out to God in one of his darkest moments, and he says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with these words, he breathed his last breath. Luke 23, 49. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. To me, these words help me understand what it means to trust God. That it doesn't become a cliche because Jesus is in this dark moment and what that embodies is this idea of giving over control. I surrender. I give up. I let go. I commend it into your control. It is the release of these clenched fist-type living into an open hand. All these areas of our life that we try to clench and hold on to and anxiously hold tightly to, and Jesus doesn't clench his life, but he lets it go, and he entrusts it into the control and into the hands of his Father. Peter echoes those same words to the early church when they experienced persecution and difficulty and dark times, their own lion's den-type moments. In 1 Peter 4, 19, says, this is Peter writing to the early church during a dark time. He says, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. Trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. It's a reminder to me that difficulty is going to come. Dark times will come. They came to Daniel, they came to Jesus, they came to the early church, as Peter is saying here. And all three examples show us this trust of I'm letting go, I'm releasing control, I'm giving those things up. And we have to do that not just when it's easy. We have to do it when it's sometimes the darkest and the heaviest. In the midst of betrayal or pain or death or loneliness. And to think for ourselves, what are our lion's dens? What is your lion's den moment? And maybe you've come out of one. Or maybe you feel like, I'm on the precipice of getting lowered into one. We can have moments where they feel dark, and we will feel our faith is tested, and, and we have to learn to trust in a God that we can't see, that we can't touch, that we can't always audibly hear. I've never audibly heard him. But can I trust him in that? Can I give complete control of my life in these dark moments? And we are trusting not in ourselves or in someone else or in an organization. What we are putting our trust in is a trustworthy God. A trustworthy God. Ironically, at the end of this passage, the anxious, untrusting king is the one that declares how trustworthy God is. Did you notice that at the end of chapter 6? It wasn't Daniel that came out with this glorious proclamation. It was the king who has this revelation of, this is how trustworthy Daniel's God is. Look at verse 26 and 27. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. Again, this is the king, not, not Daniel. He is a living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth, he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. We trust in a God that is trustworthy. And the king highlights why he is trustworthy. Look at that passage, and, and you see that. Why do we trust in this God? Why is he trustworthy? Why? Because he is 
living. We worship a living God. Not an idea, not a concept, not a deceased, quiet God. A living God. A God that will live forever. There is no limit to his existence. He will always exist. Because God is trustworthy because there is victory in him. There will be victory. There are promises of victory, and he will win. You read all the way to Revelation, and you know what? Revelation is a very confusing book. But the one thing I take away from Revelation is God wins. Oh, there we go. God wins. To put your trust in a God that you know is going to win. He is going to be victorious. We put our trust in a God as, as this king declares because he rescues his people. He saves his people. He does the miraculous for his people. He is all powerful. Nothing can limit our God. He comes through in those dark moments. He does the impossible. He shows up. He does the unexpected. His truth is valid. His truth may be confusing at times and may be complicated for us to always comprehend in our limited box of a brain, but his truth is valid. His truth is eternal. His truth is that guide for us. He shows himself trustworthy in the highest of highs and in the darkest of moments. That is the trust we are putting our, our lives in. Is a God worth following, worth believing in, worth entrusting everything in? And as I think about Daniel and I think about Jesus and I think about the early church and I think about us, this image of courageous trust, the, the illustration that comes to mind, and I just want to leave you with this idea or this picture, is when you're driving and, and you have a little kid in the back, and maybe you've never experienced this because you don't drive little children, and that kid falls asleep, right? You ever drive at night or in the rain or in traffic and the passenger next to you or the kid behind you is anxious, right? Sometimes it's the passenger, okay? It's not always the kid. So envision maybe the adult that's next to you that is telling you how to drive, right? And they are seeing all of the brake lights and they are seeing all of the signs and they are seeing all the weather and saying, do this, right? To me, the picture of trust is that person or that child being able to just sleep amidst all the chaos. To take a deep breath in the presence of God, no matter what's going on out there in that real life world of yours, to know I can rest in the presence of my God. That is the picture of a passenger saying, I trust the pilot, I trust the driver. I trust my God. I don't know how it's all going to turn out. I don't know the traffic patterns that I'm going to face and the weather that I'm going to face and the twists and turns and everything that could happen. But I trust the God that is piloting and driving my life. God is in control in the chaos and in the darkness. And he's bigger and he's smarter and he's stronger. Nahum 1.7 says it like this. Nahum, it's an Old Testament book. Many of us would just skip over. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. It's one of those pages that's probably stuck together in most of our Bibles. But there's this verse that embodies this idea of trust. It says, the Lord is good. He is a strong refuge when trouble comes, and he is close to those who trust in him. I mean, doesn't that just, doesn't that just illustrate that imagery of us 
resting and sitting in his presence. I put my trust in him. He is a refuge. This is Daniel lived out in this moment. The Lord is good, and he is a strong refuge when trouble comes. And God is close to those who trust in him. We have a courageous trust because we trust in a trustworthy God. And so the next time we are feeling anxious, which might be right now, but the next time we're feeling anxious or stirred or overwhelmed or cornered or surrounded or darkened, this would be the action step I would give you is just to just stop wherever you're at and just pray. Just take a moment and tell Jesus what you're feeling to let go of control. Maybe you have to literally say that. Jesus, I am stressed. I am freaking out. And I got to give you control. And take a moment to picture the true identity of our God. Picture the faithfulness and the character and the trueness and the trustworthiness of his character and his identity. And then you begin to allow him to bring a peace into that situation. Doesn't always change the situation, but he brings peace into that situation. This is why uh, next Monday on the 13th, we're just gonna take a moment and take time to, to pray together as a church. Right, This pause prayer night that we're having on the 13th from 7 to 8. It can come for 15, 20 minutes. Come for an hour. It's, just, it's going to be an open space to just stop and pray. Because we're headed into a holiday season that's, you know, what is it usually? Stressful, chaos, busy. Sometimes it brings up bad memories, harsh memories, painful memories. Let's stop. Let's just pause and be with Jesus for a second. Come and just be. There's no program. There's no like major liturgy we're going to do. We're going to have some stations with things that you can engage with, but really it's just about stopping and just pausing and saying, I want to entrust God with my life, both in this moment and into this next holiday season. That's why we're doing something like this, right? But that can happen at a prayer night, and that can happen this afternoon. That can happen tomorrow afternoon. That can happen tomorrow night, right? Sporadic prayers throughout the day or a church prayer night doesn't matter. These are moments that remind us where our trust is placed. Who's in control? Who do we follow? Where am I putting my trust? This is, to me, an action step in life that I think we, we sometimes minimize and overlook in our, in our faith and in our lives because we think, well, let's just pray. I mean, I know we should be praying. We should always be praying like I should be flossing more, Right? Everybody should be flossing. We should always be praying more. But I think we really minimize the importance of just those moments where we just stop and say, Jesus, you're in control. I'm freaking out, but you're in control. And give me the courage to navigate today, this moment, because I trust that you are bigger, you are smarter, you are stronger, you are more trustworthy than I am, or than anything else is. Let's pray. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com slash connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life.